Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Uh, this is the second Sunday of the blessed month of, of Abib, and I'd like to talk about this concept of a competing with myself, and really just focusing on this first verse from the gospel that we just heard. It says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? This is verse 1. Let's talk about why did they ask this question and the significance of this question. If you look at chapter 17, there's two events that the fathers that they talk about that caused the disciples to ask this question. Number one, remember the story when our Lord Jesus Christ uh, tells St. Peter to go into the sea and get a fish and get, collect the money and then go pay the taxes. That happened in chapter 17. And then also we see the transfiguration in which Peter, James, and John were present. Those are the only three that our Lord took up on the mount and uh, those three were present. Uh, so the other disciples, they saw that this, these two incidents, one with St. Peter and the taxes, and the other one with the transfiguration. And they started to ask, well, they look at this concept of greatness. Who is the greatest? In the Gospel of St. Mark, which actually we read on Friday, it says that the disciples were disputing among the road who would be the greatest among them. So this is what they were thinking. They had this concept of greatness. They saw the, the greatness of our Lord Jesus Christ and that they were His disciples and they desired this greatness as well. So, and they were comparing each other. So, if for example, He had 12 disciples. Well, why are you only paying the taxes for St. Peter? Why did you only take Peter, James, and John up on the mountain? And why not the 12, all of them? So when they saw this, right, they were comparing amongst one another. They had this spirit of comparison saying, well, you know, what is special about Peter that Christ just paid the taxes for him? What is special about Peter, James, and John that he took them up on the mountain? And why not the twelve? So in essence, the disciples were comparing themselves with one another. And I want to dig into this a little about why we compare Simply, we have this concept of comparison with one another at times because we want to feel accepted. And sometimes if we feel insufficient when we're not accepted, for example, in this situation, he takes three disciples up the mountain, why not all? We look at ourselves immediately and we say, well, why wasn't it me? Why wasn't I accepted? And we compare us with others. And we look at the others and we say, well, how come so-and-so has this? and not me? And how come they are this position? And how come they have this type of relationship with these people and not me? And we, we strike very large comparisons. Somebody sent me a statistic the other day about how we measure our own success. And in that it said that 75% of people measure their own success comparing themselves with somebody else. So, this comparison concept is it's, it's detrimental to one another and it's detrimental more importantly to ourselves. What 
pushes us to compare. Like when I look at somebody, and like for example, this situation with, with St. Peter uh, or the, in the Transfiguration when he takes up the three, we look and we say, well, how come that person is in this position before me? So if we dig into that a little bit, what is the key thing that we're looking at? We have the pressure of time. We look at one another and we say, well, this person is at this point in life before me. And if time wasn't there, then it would become irrelevant, right? Because time is finite. We all have a limited time here on earth. And we all think that we need to um, be at certain points and stages with our lives. And we sit and we compare, all right? Well, this person uh, graduated college at this age, and this person got married at this age, and this person got the job in his career at this age, and this person has X amount of kids, and I have X amount of kids, and we compare everything. We walk into somebody's house, their new house, and the first thing that we say to ourselves is, well, look what they have. Ooh, I want that, you know? And then we start ordering on Prime right away. <laughs> so the things that we see that we want. And what's this concept of comparison, a lot, time puts a lot of pressure on us. Because if you think about it, if there was no time, then I can get to this stage, the next stage, at whatever point. And I know that I have unlimited amount of time, but because our time is finite here, it adds a lot of pressure and we get this concept of comparison. So, when we compare, one of the things that we need to think about in this world of comparison is that when we look at other people, we don't know the details of every person's life, but God does. So, if I look at this person, I say, well, this person is ahead of me in their life, and they have so-and-so career, and they have so-and-so, you know, materialistic things, and they're married, and I'm behind. We don't know the details of those things, but God is the only one who does know those details. If you look in the book of Samuel, when David the prophet was chosen, David the prophet, he was the unlikely choice of all of the sons of Jesse. He was the youngest and he was the one that didn't make the most sense. And they looked and they, they said to Samuel, I'm sorry, but the Lord said to Samuel, when Samuel, he was questioning even God's choice. And in chapter 16, verse 7, it says, Have no regard for his outward appearance, nor for the maturity of his stature, because I have refused him. And then look what it says here. For man does not see as God sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord sees into the heart. Why am I highlighting this? We look and we compare with one another. And we think we know everything about one another. But we don't. We don't know what's going on into the heart of a person. So when I sit and compare, and we think we're comparing apples to apples, when in reality, there are circumstances and situations and details and reasons why God may have allowed one person to be, quote unquote, ahead of you and you a little bit behind. So this concept of comparison 
It, we should not let it sit in our minds to compare with one another. But we should compare. But who should we compete against? That's why I titled this Competing Against Myself. So the person that I should compare myself with is the person I was yesterday. Am I better than that person I was yesterday? Or am I worse than that, that person I was yesterday? Because if I look at human beings and I compare myself with other human beings, number one, it's never going to end. Number two, you're not going to have a good benchmark of to know what the growth is. So compete against yourself and not against what you think that you see in other people. Because what we think we see is not the full truth. And we don't know everybody's circumstances. There are some people that we think that are, have this great amount of wealth and we look at all their, their cars and their homes and all of these you know, beautiful materialistic things. Meanwhile, the credit card <laughs> bill is super high and they, they don't have the money to afford these things. But they're giving off this appearance that what? They're rich. But we don't know because we don't look at people's credit card statements. Right? No, at least we shouldn't. But what I'm trying to say is this concept of comparison. Compete against yourself, not against one another. When I was thinking about this, I thought about the parable of the laborers, laborers in the Gospel of St. Matthew chapter 20. I'll summarize the parable. Look at this. Look what happens in this parable. The landowner of the vineyard hires people to work at different points of the day. So he hires somebody, let's say, at the first hour, the third hour, the sixth, so on and so forth. And then they come at the end to collect their wages. So as the workers are working, they see, well, I started on the first hour of the day. This other person started at the sixth hour of the day or the eleventh hour of the day. So they assume that because they started earlier, that what's going to happen? That their wages are going to be more because they worked more. But that's not what the landowner does. In chapter 20, verse 13 to 16, when they come to collect the wages and those people who started early on, they were upset. So this was the response. He says, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for one denarius? He said, I made an agreement with you. I'm going to give you this. Take what is yours and go your way. Like, I agreed with you to give you this one thing. Although you worked more, but this is the agreement that we made. I wish to give this last man the same as to you. So he said, the person who came at the 11th hour, I want to give him the same as I'm giving to you who worked in the first hour. And then he says, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? He was like, in a nice way saying, who are you to tell me what to do with my own things? I want to pay whoever I want to pay, whatever I want to pay. Don't get involved. <laughs> you know? And then he says, this is the, the point that I wanted to highlight here, and it's in orange. Or is your eye evil because what? I am good. So the last will be first and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. If we trust in the goodness of God, we know that He's going to reward us accordingly and perfectly. 
I don't need to sit and compare and look at myself comparing to other people. And we do this in every little thing. We sit and we compare with one another and we say, how come this person has and I have, how come I don't have? One thing I want to highlight is that equality, and this is something that's plaguing our society nowadays, equality does not mean uniformity. What do I mean by that? It means that we can all be equal, but it doesn't mean I have to have the same exact things as the other person. It doesn't mean that if I'm in the exact same scenario that I'm not equal. God equally loves all of us, but He treats each of us according to our own situation. So when I, I, when I sit and I compare what I think I have, uh, somebody else is going through with myself, I don't know. I don't know because I only God sees into the heart. I can't. And it's something funny because it's as fathers of confessions, it's something we get a little bit exposed to if somebody's willing to open up their hearts. You know, because we sit and sometimes in confessions, other people's names come up. And they, and they compare with one another. And let's say I'm sitting with that person that they're talking about in confession. And I know more about that person's life than the person who's sitting, me, uh, sitting with me. But I can't say. So we don't know. We don't know. So, and, and if we don't know, we shouldn't compare. Who we should compare with, like I said, is the person I was yesterday. Am I better than that person or am I worse than that person? And this concept of time, because it is a problem. Time is a problem. I, you know, Michael Jordan, one of the greatest basketball players of all time, he was quoted saying, I've never lost a game, but I just what? He ran out of time. <laughs> um, being a Knicks fan, it was hard to put this quote up here, but... Um, because, you know, Jordan destroyed the Knicks in the 90s. Yes, I'm aging myself, but I don't care. <laughs> but what I want to say is that um, time is a problem. But the cool thing about God is that He solves this problem of time. How so? How does He solve this problem with time? And the answer is given in that parable as well as from our teacher, St. Paul. He says what? In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 39 to 40, he said, And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. What does he mean here? Why am I highlighting this verse? It's lengthy, but I think it's important. If we read what Origen says about this. Origen says about these verses. For indeed, even the apostles have not yet received their joy, but they also wait that I may be a partaker of their joy. For the saints, when they leave this place, do not immediately obtain the whole rewards of their merits. They also wait for us, though we delay, even though we remain. For they do not perfect delight as long as they agree for our errors and mourn for our sins. You see, this is what he says, therefore, that Abraham is still waiting to obtain the perfect things. Isaac waits, and Jacob and all the prophets wait for us, that they may lay hold of the perfect blessedness with us. I'll continue this last point. Look how beautiful this is. For this reason, therefore, that mystery of the delayed judgment is also kept unto the last day. For there is one body, 
that is waiting to be justified, there is one body that is said to rise from the dead in judgment. As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So, what is happening here is that there's going to be a day of judgment. A day. Why? Why is it all going to happen in a day? Because God wants to reward us all at the same time. Because he doesn't want to say to uh, he doesn't want us to say to one another, "Well, this person received the reward before me." And if you look at that at that parable of the laborers, they all came together at the end to do what? To receive their wages. So it's going to be the same for us on the day of judgment. So this concept, this pressure that we feel from time, God solves the problem for us. Because we're not going to have to wait for, um, to be rewarded separately from one another. Why? Because we are one body. And we're going to be what? Rewarded all together. So the pressure that you feel on this time right now, that this person is ahead of me, you're on behind them, and we, these comparisons that we feel with one another, in the end, it doesn't make a difference. Because in the eyes of God, He's going to reward us all at the same time. How beautiful is that? You know, I think about it like, and I, and I used this comparison recently. You know when uh, you're preparing a meal for your family, you wait. You wait for everybody in the family to be present, to begin eating. And this is kind of what God is doing here. He's saying, well, I want all of my children to be rewarded at the same time. I can't start without them. So, like Origen is saying, Abraham is waiting for us. All of the people who have departed this world are waiting for us. They're waiting for that day of judgment when we will all be rewarded together on that same time. So for us, this pressure that we feel and this comparison that we're going through, we don't need to compare. And if we're going to compare and compete, I compete against who? Myself. Who I was yesterday. So let's summarize what we said. The disciples ask our Lord Jesus Christ who is the greatest because they see him having some personal relationship with specific disciples. Right? And we don't know. Maybe, for example, like St. Peter, St. Peter with the taxes and then as well with the transfiguration. And all of that, he still denied Christ. Maybe if he didn't see the miracle of the taxes and the transfiguration, maybe he wouldn't have repented. I don't know. But God knows. So maybe that's why he chose him to witness and be a part of those things. And those times we compare ourselves with others, it's, we do that because sometimes we have the desire to feel accepted or worthy and we feel this pressure of time. And like I said, compare yourself with yourself. So compete against yourself. Am I growing or am I not? Because God loves all of us equally, but works with us individually. Remember, equality does not mean uniformity. Just because situations aren't exactly the same, it doesn't mean that they're not equal. His goodness is what motivates the way he operates with us. Remember in the parable of the laborers, he said, or is your eye evil because what? I am good. I want to reward everybody the way I see fit. Be happy that the other person is rewarded. 
Don't feel envious. And this solution of time is fixed because of His goodness and how by God's grace we'll all be crowned at the same time. Let's stop comparing with one another and start competing with ourselves. And glory be to our God forever and unto the ages of all ages. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.